Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Today's special guest comes from all the way in the East Coast. You still in New York, brother? Yeah, I'm still in New York. All man. right. All the Going way here, from New York. He's a founder of Conbody, <laughs> author of Conbody. Amazing story, guys. Host of X Dealer and X Junkie uh, podcast, co founder of Second Chance Studio. Man, what doesn't this man do? Please allow me to introduce <laughs> you guys, Cos Marty. How you doing, Cos? I'm good. I'm good. No, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Appreciate absolutely, it. man. It's a it's an absolute honor. I was just we, right before we started recording, I was saying how I first heard your story on on I first came across who you were on TEDx, and I was like, man, I gotta make it a purpose to reach out to this man just because I don't think I don't think at the age of 23, 24, you thought you'd be an inspiration to this many people, and like hell no, right? And so I, I want to dive into that for those who don't know you. Um, obviously there's, there's the accolades, the introductions, right. But there's a backstory, right. At, at the age of 13, mm-hmm. you didn't have a typical teenage, um, upbringing, right? No, I, I, at a very young age, I was, um, living in a very drug infested neighborhood and, and I started, uh, dealing drugs very early just cause I, I, I needed, yeah, I need, I needed money like everybody else, but you know, I wanted money and I wanted, um, other things that, you know, my family couldn't provide for me. You know, every time I went to ask my mom for something when I was a kid, you know, her whole thing was like, you know, me, I can't afford it, you know? So like, uh, it was just, it was frustrating. And, and, and I saw other avenues where I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I did, you know, legal stuff, illegal stuff. Uh, but mostly it just, you know, started doing a lot of, uh, drug dealing back in those days. And, um, and it, and it escalated to something even bigger and crazier. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, that's definitely something like I, I grew up in the inner city, but in, in my upbringing, like I, I ventured into sports now was, was that something that you were actively doing or was just drugs and just the city, just something that engulfed your dreams at that point? Yeah, no, I, I played sports when I was a kid. Um, I loved baseball, soccer, basketball. I loved like every, you know every every sport when you're on the block. Yeah. You, you know you you playing uh, you know, stickball and all that yeah. stuff. So um, that that was exciting for me. But I, I saw that it was not a it was not a dream that I could accomplish. You know I was a I was a good player, but I was not the best player. Yeah. You know I was not gonna be I was not gonna be Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know and I and I knew. Um, you know, either either I had a had a a wicked jump shot, or you know, a slang crack. You know, yeah, so just like exactly. that biggie yeah. says, you know what I'm saying. But that that was my mentality, and and I learned that really quick. You know, with with just seeing the the guys on the block, or even my cousins who were there at the time, and and they were doing their thing, and I just saw that that was like a a, a path forward uh, yeah. to to make money. You know, no. yeah, absolutely. And I one thing I I growing up when i moved when i moved into the suburbs a big misunderstanding was this idea of inner city kids or people that grew up in the hood they're just innately violent and it's just like it's not that we violent it's that that's the norm right mm-hmm. so like for me i grew up poor i didn't know i didn't know i was poor i everybody around me had had gats i didn't know that was illegal like i just thought like hey you know you just got to be you just got to be mm-hmm. packing every time so having said that in business, everybody talks about, you know, you're, you're, you're the average of the five nearest people to you growing up. Like, was that just the norm for you? Like, 
how, how did you get get introduced to this world into like the drug dealing and and were these just associations with you it was it was all over like it was all around me i remember when i was you know uh the earliest i could remember was probably like three years old just seeing like heroin needles everywhere on my block i, I remember seeing people lining up you know going to my building you know i'm talking about lines of you know that i had to like walk around of like yeah. 50 people to buy buy heroin back then um and it, it was it was just it was, that was reality yeah. I, I didn't think i didn't think it was wrong until you know i started going to school and like you know the dare program and all yeah. that stuff back in the day <laughs> and they started telling you you know uh say no to drugs and all that shit but uh you know when that when that started getting introduced that's when i started already being involved in the streets you know and then my my family members were already there like my cousins they you know they was the one that gave me you know my first bag of weed you know where i was smoking and and then dealing and it was just like a a normal thing no yeah one one of my favorite quotes that you have and it's just like uh which which i don't even know if you studied this when you were when you were out there slanging but uh, you said uh, I I did I did a thousand business cards and I used to pass yeah. them out to people I thought that looked like they did drugs. Uh, would you yeah. tell us a little bit about that idea and how you just your mind started to work at that point in time? Yeah, so you know I grew up where everybody on on different corners sold drugs and right. everybody owned the block. You know, so you couldn't go to this block and sell drugs. You couldn't go to that block, and everything mm-hmm. was segregated. Uh, my neighborhood started getting really gentrified. It was like the first neighborhood I would say in the, in the whole country that got gentrified. Before, and then and then everybody started moving to Williamsburg. Right. Uh, so a lot of white rich kids started moving out here, and um, and I would see them all messed up and, and and drunk, and you know we would make fun of them and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but some of the guys on the block were scared to sell drugs to the white people because they thought they were cops. You know, every time we saw somebody that was white, we were like, "Yo, that's that, you know, that's a cop. Don't yeah. don't fuck with him." You know, so <laughs> I was like, "I know this person is not a cop." You know, uh, and then I started giving out my my number and a piece of paper. Um, and then eventually, my friend and I, uh, Joey, back then, we we made ten thousand business cards. Uh, we went to Kinko's. Uh, and just went wildfire, <laughs> wildfire, giving out our yeah. cards saying, you know, we had a 24 hour drug delivery service. We was yeah. delivering, uh, Coke, weed, um, and anything you asked for basically. So, uh, if you hit us up and, you know, we were, we were there, uh, and then, and then it became like we were crossing different boroughs and it became like a tri-state tank thing where we were going to Jersey, Connecticut, you know, upstate, you know, so like just going to everywhere if, it, if the money was right we was delivering yeah and, and, and then we had you know different different drivers so we had uh you know all our friends that were hanging out in the block they were making drug deliveries for for us when we were you know running the streets man that's talk talk about uniqueness right now obviously at, the, at you're 19 years old right at 19 well i don't even think i had my first job when i was 19 yeah at 19 you're, you're a millionaire yeah like what? Tell us what was that like? What was that lifestyle like? Like, cause it when was, you're a kingpin, you think of, I think a DC man, DC comics man. Like, <laughs> like you a real kingpin? Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I was just making so much money that it, it it was just it was addicting to to live that lifestyle of spending and making and and just just throwing money away. 
Like it was yeah. just pretty, pretty crazy to, you know, to see how the influx of, of you know, capital coming in and, and we was just like, just buying stupid shit. You yeah. know, we were, we were taking trips to, you know, Puerto Rico, DR, going to, you know, it, we were we were just doing dumb stuff you know we were like get everybody on the block you know uh rent out a couple cadillacs and then we'll drive out to like go you know snowmobiling for like all the kids on the block you know like yeah. it was just and i'm talking about like spending thousands and thousands of dollars like going to louis vuitton store and just not even thinking about it and and it, i i guess it was just a mentality of like you know, we, we felt like we had something to prove, you know, right. we, we were kids growing up with, with nothing, but, you know, there was different drug spots around the neighborhood that was still existing. And, and you coming down with, you know, I had a, I had a, I bought, I remember I had a car that I bought off the dub mag. You remember the dub magazines? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when they first started to come out with spinners and the dub. Yeah. Mag- so yeah. I- so I had the I had the twenty two inch gold spinners on what a Cadillac a Cadillac Fleetwood. This is two thousand four. Dang! So twenty two yeah. was like, yo, that's big. Yeah, and my shit's was humongous, and I'm yeah. parking it on the block, and I got the loudest speaker on there. Like, oh my god! Um, <laughs> it was just like just just crazy stupid shit, you know. That's funny. But I remember when stuff. I first saw eighteens, and I thought that was big. Yeah, I was like yeah. eighteen spinners. What? Like, and then and then we cracked them things. <laughs> oh my lord! And that's that's a different story. <laughs> so, you're living this lifestyle, right? And one of the things I want to touch upon was, <clears throat> excuse me, the concept of money, right? Like, I I didn't grow up with it. I didn't understand money was a language. Like, mm-hmm. you got to understand how money works. You got to understand not just the spending of it, but the protection of it, right? And so you you come across you know, this, this, this income stream and granted, you know, it, it, let's not go into, into how you came across it just yet, but like, what's your, what's your, how's your thought changing with regards to money? Cause you said you were so, a little irresponsible with it at the beginning. Uh, yeah, we were very irresponsible, uh, all the way to the end, I believe. I mean, we, we had, we had, uh, ideas of doing like our own businesses and and we we try to get into like real estate and all that stuff um but our mentality when you when you're on the streets and that phone doesn't stop ringing and the money keeps going like you know am i really gonna slow down you know and, and 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 pick a slower hustle yeah you know and so um I think we just got lost in the sauce where like, yo, this, this thing is not stopped. Like it, right. it's just not. And, and we felt at a, at a certain point that we're not touching drugs. We're just touching money and we're not really doing anything, you know, involved. So we, 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 it's impossible for us to get caught, you right. know, um, we're just, you know, spending it and enjoying it. And, and that was our, our mentality. Right. Um, now, eventually that came to an end right like you thought it wasn't gonna you weren't gonna get caught but tell us what what happened how'd you get caught and what happened thereafter yeah so i at 23 i got caught um and and i got caught uh because somebody basically like it, it was two reasons um somebody was dispatching for us and he tried to steal our customers and and um 
and then I found out he was trying to sell our customers. So we fought, like we got rid of him and we got, and I took all the phones away and then I started managing all the phones and, and sending out all the, doing all the dispatching. Um, just my friend and I, we just didn't really trust anybody else. And so we was doing everything ourselves. And then, um, and then they had, uh, an investigation on that phone that this guy started, uh, one of the dispatchers. So we, we took his phone away and cause he was stealing our customers with that phone. And yeah. so we started sending our drivers, uh, to whoever called those number that number and that phone was being tapped. So the uh, federal agents had like around 40 sales on us. Um, and then at the end of the day, uh, they, they had all that tracked and, and then, uh, they called one of my drivers and when they went to go pick him up, he just like told, you know, he told him where the drugs was at. He told him where Stasha's house was at. He told him, you know, my name, he told him everything. You know, even though they had some information about me, but like they didn't know it was that big of a uh, like when they caught me, they thought I was just they thought I was running a million dollar service. I was yeah. making I was I was running a five million dollar like annual rent of revenues like uh, yeah. like service. So they, when they caught me, they were like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. like they, excuse my language. Nah, they were like, there, yeah, they, they started. They just found so much more drugs they found more phones and just the whole thing wow now i i you know that's at 23 you got a seven-year prison after you got caught is that correct a seven-year sentence yeah i got i got sentences seven years now and, uh, now five, that's five that's one obstacle right getting through the getting through that mindset but also there there came there, with the sentence there came a health issue right yeah, so I went in, and that's when I had uh, found out that I had a uh, high cholesterol level. Because running in the streets, you don't go to the doctor. You don't you don't really check yourself. You, I'm eating trash food from the streets, you know. Right. Um, I'm not moving at all. I was, I was not working out at all. Uh, so, yeah, the doctor, doctor sat me down when I got over there, and they took blood exams, and they told me my cholesterol levels were through the roof. That, right. If I didn't start exercising or eating correctly, that I could probably die of a heart attack within five years. And I was like, I didn't feel like I was going to die. Yeah. I know I, every time like I ran a little or like, I, you know, I, I felt winded when I walked up the stairs or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for them to tell me that I'm like, you know, it, it, it pushed me back a little bit and be like, right. and, and it, had, it had me reflecting and had me thinking like, Hey, I got, all this time to do, you know, I'm going to use the time and I'm going to work out. And, right. and so that's what I did. Now, at, at, did you, cause I know, I know you, you, you have a family now at that point in time, did you have a kid? Yeah. Yeah. So when I got locked up, my, my son was two years old, two years old. Now what, mm. what, what's that like? Like, you know, that, that, that was there like separation anxiety? Was there like, like what, what's the mindset of you as a father, as an individual going into prison, you got seven years. Like what's that? What's that mentality like? I mean, it's it's crazy, you know. And I was I was facing way more time. I was facing 12, 12 years, uh, twelve to twenty four. Um, but it, then they split the they split it to seven years and five parole. Yeah, which in total was like a twelve year sentence. Um, I mean, just just thinking that I'm gonna do all this time and and 
and I, I let my son down, it just, you feel it in your heart. Right. You know, it's something that like, I don't know, if you're not a parent, you don't really understand, mm. you know, what, how it feels. Um, and, and I remember my, my, my mom telling me that, you know what I mean? Like, wait till you have a kid, you know, yeah. and like, she, and every time I used to like run in the streets and, you know, your kid is gonna, you're gonna feel it, you're gonna feel it. And, yeah. and, and she was right. You know what I mean? When you, when you're sitting alone in, in that cell and, and you have, all you have is a picture of your kid, you know, and the thoughts and the memories of, you know, I remember when he was delivered in his room, you know, I was the first person to hold him because my, my baby mom at the time, she, she was sick and she yeah. couldn't touch my son because she had a fever when she gave birth. And I was like, I, I just, I was always with him, you right. know what I mean? And uh, it's just a feeling in your heart that you just, you know, you only feel of your parent. Oh, yeah, that's that's powerful, man. So, so you know, you're, you're going through that transition, right? Like all of those things are crossing your mind, I could just imagine. Um, you know, but, but there came a point where you, you got healthy in prison. Yep. Like you, you just, it triggered something in you. You just started like, well, what'd you start doing? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, once the doctors told me that I, I started thinking about like using my time and working out and I started like working out obsessively. I'm talking about like, like it was hard for me to start. Obviously I was like overweight, but at, at one point I was running like a half a marathon every single day. Like I was running two hours straight around the whole yard and, yeah. and people were making fun of me and, and, and cracking jokes on me. Cause I was that, that they were calling me fat Forrest Gump and all this shit. Yeah. And, uh, but I just kept my head down and kept focused and kept yeah. moving and, and kept doing what I had to do, you know? And, uh, eventually I lost 70 pounds in six months. Um, and then I started catching eyes of other inmates and yeah. I started this like whole workout group where I helped over 20 inmates was over a thousand pounds combined in, in inside. So this is during, during like your, your yard time. You just had to my do, yard time. You just, is that where so the we, boot camp began? Yeah. So there's where the boot camp began. We had, uh, I had formed like a circle around me and we would, I would stand in the middle and I would lead everybody through exercises and then we'd be doing runs and, uh, it was just like a whole, I didn't think I was going to start a business behind it. It right. was just like a camaraderie build at the time where we were like just holding each other accountable to work out, you yeah. know, and there was people in different units where I'll be like, yo, meet me in the yard. Yeah. You know, I'll see you over there, blah, blah, blah. And then we just get together and just work out or run. Now, now this is, I'm really curious with this part because I've, I've never, I've never been, I've never been in prison. What's your schedule like, like, in, like, is there a routine that you got into with your workouts or was it just like, okay, whenever the time's available, like, what's that like in regards to like towards your discipline with the workouts? Yeah. I mean, um, when you're a general population, uh, and then different prisons have different rules, you know? Yeah. So, uh, when you're a general population, you get like four hours of rack a day. So you get two hours in the morning, you get two hours in the evening. I was utilizing those four hours most of them or and then i was also working out in my cell so yeah. like usually i was always running in the morning for like two hours and then i would just do like an hour workouts like calisthenics and stuff like that in myself um and sometimes i'll go out to the yard and do some other stuff um but yeah i mean that was that was my routine you know it was just like uh all types of body weight exercises yeah. uh i really didn't use any equipment they, we had to pull a bar a dip bar 
um, there was different uh, prisons that I, that we did have weights, but I I mostly mostly just concentrated on just doing all all calisthenic stuff. Yeah, that's. I think one of what's beautiful about that's like, dude, there's no excuse, right? It's just like that's it. you don't need weights. You just need, I just need to be outside. Or you, I that's think it. you mentioned, you mentioned all you need is your body. That's it. Your body weight. That's your, your, it. Your body weight, right? And and yep. yeah, that that that's powerful. Now, it's you're reaching your seven. You know, you you're reaching those seven years. Mm-hmm. Something happens that extended your time, right? Yeah. So. Uh, I was actually coming home in an early release program. Um, and then uh, I remember being called to the medical unit by this officer. Um, and I get down to the medical unit and and I get searched randomly um, because they just do random searches anywhere in the prison. Yeah. And, uh, and this officer just starts searching me really aggressively, puts my hands like, on the bottom of the wall, like hey, I'm basically like holding a plank and he gets in between my legs and I just felt, I, I, I twitched my body a little bit. And as soon as I twitched, uh, this guy punched me behind my head and he said, today's not my day. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. And, um, he knocked me out. I remember seeing, you know, black and blue, like I just saw stars and then I got up and, and I turned around on him to avoid another hit. And as soon as I turned around, as I was, I was dazed. Uh, he pulled the pin. He pulled his 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 button and his walkie-talkie. And as soon as that button was pressed in the walkie-talkie, uh, the whole alarm for the whole prison went off. Yeah. And and at that moment, I was I was like just thinking in my head like, fuck, like yeah. I'm gonna go. Sorry. No, you're good. I was just thinking in my head, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to the box. And so I, I, I go to solitary. It was not my first time in solitary. So I was not worried about that, but I was just worried about, I had uh, two months left towards my incarceration, uh, to, yeah. towards my release. And, and now because of the situation, it's also saying I'm attempting to assault him. I'm mm. um, refusing a direct order that, now I'm facing three more years in prison behind a situation. Right. And so I'm like devastated as hell. Like I, I worked so hard to try to come home early. My, my son is waiting for me to, yeah. you know, see me. I, I just saw my family and told them I'm coming home. And, and it was just a very frustrating and, and hopeless experience. Yeah. No. And, and yeah, it's how, how, what was that period of extension for you during that time? Yeah, so I did an extra year in prison behind that situation. Oh, that's that's uh, difficult. One of the, one yeah. of the things I I one of the biggest highlights I got from your story was, you know, traditionally, you know, at at the age of twenty three, people are not going into prison. They're like doing their university, their internships, going into mm-hmm. their first job. At this point, you've made several millions. You know, you <laughs> you've lived what you thought was the good life, or at least at that point in time, what you persuade you've kind of gone through these experiences with prisons and businesses and, and it's almost like in retrospect, like it's, it's not something that you want to duplicate, right? It's not, it's not something that you would want to teach someone, but you, you've always had this business mindset, right? Like in your teenage years, you know, you create this network inside of prison and you know, you're out of prison now. Like I, how do you even get a job after prison? It was hard. 
it was hard. Um, but I, I didn't procrastinate. Um, and, and, and I didn't waste time. I was hungry. I knew that I had lost everything I had. Um, and I just kept, you know, hustling and, and working and asking. And I, I had like different type of side hustles. Um, yeah, I remember like cleaning like toilets for my uncle and, yeah. and, you know, fixing up bathrooms and stuff like that off the books uh with his i'm using his name yeah. <laughs> to work so I'm, I'm like operating like an illegal immigrant you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> just to get some you know make uh, what I was, I was making like eight thousand an hour right you know what i mean uh and then eventually i, I had I had uh landed an internship uh this this place didn't didn't know i had any any type of record um but I was just there like volunteering and then eventually they were like, Hey, you, you, you know, there's an opening here. Right. Uh, you've been working hard for a few months, you know? And so I applied and I remember applying. Um, I remember applying and I left the, the, uh, the side of that, the part of the application that said, have you ever been convicted of a felony? And I left that blank. Yeah. And, uh, I remember one day they called me down to the director's office and they're like, Hey, um, you know, you, you, I just want to make, I want to make sure you're not a criminal. So, you know, you have to fill this out. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've I already faced so many types of uh, barriers where I was trying to find jobs and fill out so many job applications and been denied left and right because of my background. Right. Uh, and now this lady brought me to the office saying like, hey, you got to fill this out. And so, um what I did, I was like, Hey, look at, you know, I, I, I did something when I was younger. Um, you know, I didn't get too like into it. Um, I was just, she was just like, just write the charge down. Don't worry about it. You yeah. know? Well, and, and I wrote two twenty point twenty one, which was the, the, the code, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to like, like, yeah, I was <laughs> a drug kick pig, you know what yeah. I mean? I was, uh, you know, and I, and I was convicted for so many other crimes, you know, I was, I was uh, arrested nine times, uh, three times felons and stuff. I was like in juvie and all that stuff. And so, uh, I just wrote my recent crime on that. And, um, and the lady was like, look it, I usually don't take chances on people that's been incarcerated, but I'm going to take a chance on you. Yeah. And so I, I had a side hustle just like, uh, doing data entry, um, I had no idea how to operate computers. Right. You know, I went in, I went in with a flip phone, came out with a touchscreen. So I'm just like <laughs> figuring shit out yeah. at home, you know, watching YouTube videos and all that stuff and, you know, trying to teach myself whatever I needed to learn the next day. Uh, but yeah, on, the, on and then on top of that, I was just like doing stuff in the park. I was just right. like going up to random people, you know, telling people, yo, I'm doing this boot camp, you know, I'm doing this workout. So I was, I had, three, four jobs at one time where I was, I was also like selling t-shirts on the side, you know, so, um, the hustle didn't stop. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, differentiates myself from a lot of people that I don't, I don't procrastinate, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's just taking, taking action. Right. Just like, yeah. yo, I, I mean, I love the fact that you're like, I, I could figure it out on YouTube. Like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, is just finding something, finding that hustle. Now, you know, obviously, when you were when you were younger, you and your boy, you know, made the business cards and, and you had your target. You're, you're finding the target. Um, what I really one of the one of the funny stories that I heard uh, you say is like you're out of prison and you just see every, you know, all these women with yoga pants. Yep. <laughs> you're yep. Like, Yo, yeah. I mean, uh, the whole neighborhood changed, you know, like yeah. 
you know, seeing people running and jog around. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? You know, like you just have, heard. Have you seen uh, <laughs> the OG on Netflix? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Was it like so that? I, I had that experience <laughs> where I'm like, this whole thing changed, you yeah. know. It was just a whole different experience. Um and 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 that's what I then I that's when I started taking advantage. I started going up to all the females wearing yoga pants and that became my target market. Yeah. You know, I made uh same amount of business cards. I started going up to them and saying, like, hey, I'm doing this thing, this work uh, boot camp in the park, you know, I lost seventy pounds in prison, blah, blah, blah. So I gave them a little small pitch. Uh, and then I was going, you know, to the train station. I was taking like shared Ubers. Uh, I was I was just Smart. nonstop asking, yeah. um, you know, telling people about what we were doing. You now, know? I, 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 it, 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 it itches me to ask this, this, this question. So you know, like one thing I constantly teach is like, yo, get on the phones, get on the phones, get on the phones, get on the phones. Like it's it's a numbers game, right? Like. Mm -hmm. If you had to guess how many people you contacted at the very beginning, what would you say your numbers were at that point? Uh, for for the fitness side? Yeah, for the fitness side. Um, I don't know. Today we've trained over 50,000 people. Wow. So, wow. so I, I, I've had so many no's and, yeah. and a few yeses. Yeah. So, you know, I would say like 50,000 people is, you know, probably – you know, 10% of, of the people that I've asked, you know, so it's, yeah, yeah, that, wow. that said, yeah. So like, I mean, I, and that's, that's like me traveling the world and, yeah. you know, doing pop-ups in, in, in London and doing stuff in Spain and Mexico and Dominican Republic. I mean, I've been, uh, you know, China, like I, I got the opportunity to go all around the world a few times, you know, yeah. but Everywhere I go, you know, I get to, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to larger audiences and yeah. bigger stages like Ted, you know, and I get in front of two, 3,000 people, right. you know. So, uh, you know, that the, most of those people are going to say no, but I'm going to get a couple of yeses, you know. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, it's beautiful because I think that in itself, it's like regardless of your story, at the very base of any business, it's that same concept. Get through the nose, right? Mm -hmm. Get through the nose. Um, one of one of one of my favorite quotes that you had is, um, be in and and I'll, and I'll preframe it because this this goes into the concept of your expansion and, and with Combody, right? And it says today's inmate is tomorrow's um, tomorrow's neighbor, right? And and yep. you you suffer this as a as a former inmate yourself, where you know you leave pre prison and there's no opportunities, um, but you wanted to change that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so 95% of the people that are incarcerated will be released at some point. Yeah. You know, so, like, my, my whole concept is, like, why don't we help these people integrate to society, do something positive, and give them an opportunity instead of having somebody that's frustrated at the system, not having that opportunity. Now they're going to go back and, and probably do the same thing they did before, which... Right is, you know, an issue that we face for, for so long, you know, the recidivism rate, you know, nationwide is 76%, mm. which is insane. You know, that means like three out of four people that are coming out are going to go back into the system. Right. You know, so like, why don't we just end that by, you know, giving simple opportunities. And we've seen that once somebody gets a job, you know, that, that number drops to 30%. Yeah. You know, and this, and I'm talking about, a job that's making a, a medium income of $10,000 a year, which is yeah. pretty much not sustainable to right. live 
and new I'm talking about New York numbers, you know, um, you know, imagine if we give somebody an opportunity to get more money, you yeah. know, they definitely not going to go back. Now is, is a hundred percent of, of, of your trainers, um, ex con. Yeah. So that's, that's my whole concept. Like the whole company has been formerly incarcerated yeah. except for my, my financial officer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a white, white Jewish kid from Westchester. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, be, before we end, I want to be very mindful of your time. Um, and thank you once again for doing this. Um, no, you thank know, you. there's, it's a two, it's a two part question. The first part is obviously staying the big where, what it means and where it stems from. It's like, we all go through lows in life, but the importance is that we stay in the big, your big goals and your big dreams. Like don't lose focus. You talked about like, you never procrastinate. That's like something that you held, you hold, you know, that's, a, that's something that's in you. Um, the first question to it's what does, how has entrepreneurship changed your life and what does it mean to you? I think uh, entrepreneurship means for me is, is creating mm. and, and creating and executing, you know, um, you know, and what that goes hand in hand, you, you're creating something that from, from nothing, yeah. you know, um, and, and it's, it's, it's something very difficult that you put a lot of energy to it and, and, you know, people might and take it and, and get the, and you get extra energy if you don't stop, you know? Right. And so, uh, just being so persistent that you believe in it, that you feel like somebody's gonna, you know, love it and, and enjoy it as much as you do, yeah. you know? Um, and, and that's, that's my mentality is like, yo, just keep showing up and keep delivering and, and and things will pop you know as long as you have a great product you know and you continuously do it time after time people are going to like it and people are going to you know move forward with it and they're going to want it that's, they're going to want more of it so that's yeah. just that's that's how i feel no that's that's powerful man I, I'm, a, I'm gonna have to rewatch this and take some notes <laughs> um one the last question is this um one one thing my 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 father and my mother always taught me that you know i grew up in a latino home every time i'd go to a friend's house i'd be like um i'll say it in spanish um deja la casa mejor que la encontraste fine you better yeah. leave that house better than what you found it right and i feel like i've taken that responsibility over my life to leave this life better than what i found it having said that what what is it that you want to be remembered for what is that legacy cause wants to leave with this earth i think that uh, the legacy I want to leave behind is that I, I was not selfish, mm -hmm. um, uh, that I, I, I'm doing this, you know, not to like, uh, for me, money is not a, is not a goal anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, like definitely I want to make money and, and live well and all that stuff. But like, that's the last priority for me. I mean, number one is, uh, because I feel like everything else is going to be provided for, you yeah. know? So, uh, for me, I want to provide for other people, you know, and then also give them that, that knowledge, like, you know, you're going to wake up, um, you're going to eat, you're going to sleep, you're going to have clothes, you know, you're going to survive and, and keep moving forward and live a long lasting, healthy life. Right. You don't have to do anything negative, you know, to get what you need. You know what I mean? So I want to like tell people that living a long lasting, healthy life is, is real true success. Like my mom is. 66 she's working out four times a week with me wow. she only makes you know minimum wage but um 
you know, she wakes up, she eats, she cooks the best food that she wants and she, you know, it's, it's the best food that, she, that I've ever tasted. And then like she wears whatever she wants. She takes a little vacation every so often, you know, and that's real true success. She's not a yeah. billionaire or millionaire, you know? And so that, that's just my, my mentality. Man, that's beautiful. You, you make me want to take a trip to New York and have some of your mom's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah, crack, that, that's amazing. Um, you know, for our audience, where can where can they find you? Where can they reach out to you? Yeah, you can reach out to me at, at Conbody, C-O-N-B-O-D-Y, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, we, we started this new TikTok page, uh, uh, Conbody at, at NYC. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can hit me up personally at Cross Marte. That's C-O-S-S, last name Marte, M-A-R-T-E. Um, and just, just DM me. I will answer eventually. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, appreciate you, Cos. It was such a pleasure, man. And hopefully uh, this thank is you. the first of many contributions, man. No, I appreciate it, bro. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.